The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. OK, let's talk Tech Tuesday time with Andy O'Donoghue. Andy, Google Street View is how old now at this stage? Incredibly, it's 15 years old, Matt, and um, Google are celebrating. They're making some changes and some updates and introducing some new features and technology. But it is hard to believe that it's 15 years. And for anyone who hasn't used Street View, this is when you look at your Google Maps uh, app, um, whether on the desktop, on your laptop or PC, or on your mobile phone. And there's a little character that you can drop onto the streets. And I only discovered recently he has a name. He's called Pegman, little yellow character. And you drop Pegman onto the map and you'll see some of the streets will light up in blue. And the ones that light up in blue, that's where Google have photographed using their cars and cameras. It's where they photograph the street and they're the images that go into Street View. And it is incredibly useful. Because let's say you're um, heading to a gig or you're going to uh, somewhere, perhaps a restaurant or somewhere when you're on holidays or a city that you don't know. Instead of just looking at a map from overhead, you can drop Pegman onto the map and look around the street, see the venue, see the turns and see what the street looks like. Incredibly useful. And uh, after 15 years, it's one of those things that's become um, a, a daily part of, uh, of life for many of okay, us. OK, how regularly is it updated? Because I know there's been publicity about the cars been <clears> out and about updating it, but... I've just done a quick search in my own house and it looks to me like it was updated quite recently. Yeah, and uh, increasingly more so. I'm not sure that they publish the schedule, but busier uh, places do get updated more often. I suppose that makes sense. And um, what you should try doing, Matt, is they've added a feature, this, uh, this time machine feature. And now this is available on the app. And when you look at the street view, you can drag a little icon back in the years. So they've made all of the photos they've taken over those 15 years of your, uh, say, house. Um, They're available. And so you can slide back in time and see how things used to look. Okay, Are they managing to avoid um, data protection (coughs) issues? Are are the houses identifiable as to who might live in there? You recently told us about... Oh, for example, when you're doing home security, you can't record anything happening outside your gate. So how come they're able to take photographs inside your gate up onto the front door of your house? Well, they are very careful. And if you do look at a street view image, you will see that faces are blurred out and uh, signs are often blurred out and car registrations are blurred out. So this is the principle that there's no identifying information. Of course, a street is, uh, or a house, is viewable from the street. So uh, those images appear. But Google are very careful about preserving privacy. You know, no one wants to be photographed in the wrong place at the wrong time, for whatever reason. And so it does help preserve your privacy. For those people who have high hedges or walls, does Google Maps send a camera up higher so they can look <laughs> over those walls? I think I haven't seen that and I don't think that's part of their operating principle. It's a nice idea, but they are, as part of this uh, announcement about their 15th uh, birthday, they are introducing a new Street View car and a Trekker backpack. And this is a tiny little camera because when you think about it, Google are trying to map the world with Google Maps and Street View. And um, so they won't be able to get a car into the Sahara Desert. But what they could do is they could mount a mobile camera on the back of a camel. And they have said that this is their plan. I think it's going to be about the same size as a domestic cat. It's going to weigh £15 and they can ship them all over the world. And so for 
for uh, botanists and for natural science researchers, the idea of mapping the roads on Antarctica or in the uh, in, in the jungles of South America sounds like a fascinating kind of contribution um, to that sort of research. So, welcomed. Move on to artificial intelligence for me. And because tell me about Clearview AI being fined for illegally using images taken from the Internet. It's a company that many of your listeners won't have heard of, Matt. And what is Clearview? The best way of describing it is it's a search engine for faces, but it's the world's search engine for faces. And uh, over the last uh, day, the, the UK's data watchdog, sort of their version of the Data Protection Commissioner, has fined Clearview seven and a half million pounds for collecting images of people from across all of the social media platforms. Now, in the past, Clearview have received cease and desist letters from Facebook and from Twitter. But um, the UK ICO uh, said that Clearview has collected multiple images of people all over the world, including the UK, from a variety of websites and social media platforms. Now, they're an American private company and it would appear they used to do business with other private companies but now they've been restricted to uh, doing business with law enforcement and federal agencies in the US what you need to consider about this is first of all BuzzFeed published um, some uh, a customer list a couple of years ago that listed 2,200 uh, uh, referred to 2,200 companies And they mentioned the UK and Ireland. Now, we don't know who in Ireland used Clearview for how long and whether it was perhaps just a test purpose. By comparison, it was used um, in Sweden by their police force and the Swedish police were fined subsequently. To describe how this works, and this is truly dystopian technology, Matt, is it harvests billions of images. Right now, they have about 20 billion images. Their ambition is to have 100 billion. And their own stated goal, which the Washington Post published an investor document, they said that they would like to be able to identify anybody on the planet. And to do that, they need 100 billion images, which would be maybe 14 or 15 photos of all of us. And they would be able to identify every single person on the planet. So what they've done is they um, they harvest the social media photos. So let's say we took all of your Facebook, all of your Twitter, all of your Instagram photos. They can have a very good go at identifying you. And people, needless to say, are up in arms about this. And this is the case in the UK. They have a number of other cases uh, ongoing. And the, the technology behind this is not that complex. For instance, Google, Amazon and IBM could all do this. But they've resisted selling this technology until there is clear legislation in various countries about who and how it can be used. Clearview, though, um, is a remarkable company. And whilst it's not a very big company, it is exceptionally good at this. And it is a worrying development for privacy advocates and for every citizen around the world. Okay, one other thing I want to ask you about is a new uh, Central Statistics Office study released today on ICT workers. What has it told us about pay, education and gender breakdown? Well, this is fascinating um, that, um, first of all, it found that ICT workers had the highest average annual earnings in the country, um, receiving 8.5 billion wages in 2019, 2 billion of which was from domestic firms. 
And 63% of the ICT workforce had a third level qualification. But what we did find is that the, uh, there is a significant gap in the male to female employees with men outnumbering women, I think, by almost two to one in that ICT workforce. That? Well, there's no explanation about that, um, really, that, we can, uh, that, that, that you can draw a solid Conclusion. You know, there's been an awful lot of publicity about STEM subjects in the past and trying to encourage more schoolgirls and then university students, women, to take that up. Even if they do take it up, do they get the jobs in the tech sector? Well, my theory on this is that they don't look for the jobs ultimately. And um, I wrote an opinion piece about this a few years ago in the mail and I did an amount of research into what other countries do. First thing that I discovered was that our participation metric, as it's called for STEM, um, for graduate entry, is about 50-50. So the same number of young boys uh, or boys and girls entering college pursue STEM subjects about equally. But we don't see that development over time. And this also, Mad, I think is a, is a relatively recent phenomenon of the last decade. I know when I started working in the technology business in my 20s, my boss was a woman, the head of ICT, uh, IT manager at Apple Cork was a woman, and she wasn't the first. Their first manager in 1980 or 81 was a woman also. And 50% of my colleagues at least were women. Now we don't see that participation rate. At one point a few years ago, it was as low as 25%. I think now we're back up to about 30-something. So what's happened? And I do think that there is a cultural problem in many aspects of tech that has gotten worse. And we have read the stories about companies like Uber and other companies and the games industry where women do not feel comfortable in that industry. And unfortunately, I think the statistics bear this out. But do we not do better in Ireland than that might be the case in the United States? We do. We do reasonably well in Ireland compared to the United States, but we do not do as well as a number of countries. For instance, Qatar have a stated goal of a 50-50 participation rate and they remarkably have achieved it, both in uh, not just in ICT, but in, in, in heavy engineering as well. And that's what you'd expect out of Qatar, given the country's reputation. Thank you very much, Andy O'Donoghue, for joining us for Tech Tuesday. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.